Turn to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Do you have any verses marked there? Psalm 91. And let's just read the psalm. And don't read it like you've read it a hundred times. Let's look at it like there are things here that we haven't seen yet. Psalm 91 says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely, He shall deliver you and let's just, let's just put me and I in here. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He will cover me with his feathers under his wings shall I trust. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. I shall not be afraid for the terror by night or for the arrow that flies by day. You could preface these statements. I shall not be afraid for the pestilence that walks in darkness. I shall not be afraid for the destruction that wastes at noonday. Everybody say, I shall not be afraid. afraid. Now notice verse 7. Notice it carefully. A thousand shall fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Hallelujah. I want you to say that out loud. A thousand shall fall at my left hand. We'll say it like that. And ten thousand at my right hand. But it shall not come near me. Hallelujah. Now, you know, some would call that arrogance. They would call it deception. They'd call it bad doctrine if I hadn't just read it out of the Bible. Right? I mean, if, I, if I'd have stood up before I'd have read that in some circles and said, well, you know, a thousand people may have car wrecks on my left. Ten thousand people might get mugged or be attacked on my right, but it won't happen to me. People would look at you and go, who do you think you are? These people didn't want it to happen to them. Yeah, but I don't know what they believed. I don't know where they were. That's not my responsibility. I can't control what other people believe. But I am responsible to control what I believe. And I'm to believe the word. And this is the word. Can we confess this? Can we say it? Can we expect it? Hallelujah. Then I like that. Only with my eyes will I behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because I've made the Lord my refuge, the Most High my habitation, there shall no evil befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. For he'll give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. They'll bear me up in their hands, lest I dash my foot against the stone. I'll tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and dragon shall thou trample under feet. Because... 
I, he has set his love upon me. The Lord's talking now. Therefore will I deliver him. I'll set him on high because he's known my name. He'll call upon me and I'll answer him. You need to have your name through all of this. Right? Verse 14. Because Keith has set his love on me, the Lord said. I'll deliver Keith. I'll set Keith on high. Keith will call on me and I'll answer Keith. I'll be with Keith in trouble. I'll deliver Keith. I will honor Keith and with long life I will satisfy Keith and show Keith my salvation. Now you got to read it for yourself. But it needs to apply to you personally. It doesn't just need to be the 91st Psalm. It needs to be God talking to Keith. Keith believing what God said. Right, Lynn, Leah, whoever your name is. We live in perilous times. This is a fact. All you've got to do is turn on the news. All you've got to do is pick up the paper and read about some crime. Some crash. Car crash. Train crash. Plane crash. Ship sank. Tornadoes. Hurricanes. Typhoons. Earthquakes. Gunshot. You name it. And it's, it's not just in a land far, far away. It's close. But God has committed to us to be our keeper, our refuge, our protector. And we need to become settled that God has committed this to us and that it is his perfect will to keep us safe And protect us from harm and evil all our life long. Now you got to believe that. Your your believing must not be based on your past experiences or somebody else's experiences or thoughts. How many understand that our faith must be based on the Word of God? There are people, Christians, good people, that have died with sickness and disease. But we cannot base our faith for His will for us on that. Right? We must believe it is God's will for us to be healed and live a long time, no matter what has happened to anybody else. Right? There are moral people that have died lost. People that did good deeds and did good works, but you can't take the fact that they died lost and develop a doctrine that it's not God's will to save all. And just because a good Christian died with with a disease doesn't mean that you make a doctrine that sometime it's God's will for some of his people to be sick. And just because some of God's people have had accidents and, and tragic things have happened to them, you don't make a doctrine that sometimes it's God's will for problems to happen to his people. No, it's not. Never is it God's perfect will for his people to suffer tragedies, accidents, problems. To be victims of crimes, etc., etc. Do you believe that? You must get that settled. You can't go around with some question in your mind about that. You've got to have it settled. Things have happened, yes, but they were not the perfect will of God. If God, now now listen carefully, I'm saying, if God had been able to, He would have prevented it. So what do you mean if God had been able to? Legally. 
Certainly as far as his power is concerned, he can do anything. But he is constrained by his word. He is, he is uh, affected by faith or the lack of it. There are spiritual laws and spiritual principles involved. And we need to realize that there have been times that some of God's most beloved people, that the angels just had to stand there with their hands folded. God could not intervene. He had to let it happen, even though it was totally against his will and what pleased him. Why? Because of what they were doing and had done or failed to do. Are you with me? Now that, that's a sad, you know, uh, I shouldn't say sad, a sobering thought to think that our angels, so mighty in ability, would stand by the side and let something happen, but they, could, they can't intervene without violating spiritual law and principle. It is God's will to keep us. He is our protector. He is our safety. But do you acknowledge that we have a part to play in it too? It has to be that way. Do you understand, if it was just up to God, if it was just up to His will and power, nothing bad had ever happened to any of us. Right? Nothing ever. If it was just up to Him. But it's not just up to Him. We have a free will. We make choices. In fact, the Lord said this to me one time in a time of prayer. He said, uh, all of the suffering... All of the sorrow, all of the tragedy in the world is, exists because man has a free will. It exists because man has the ability to choose and has chosen wrongly. Started with Adam and Eve. And it's, it's continued throughout. And if man chooses wrongly, God has to honor that, that man or woman's right to choose and not intervene. If he did, he'd be just controlling man's will and controlling everybody. And he's not going to do that. So if we choose wrong, then he has to allow the consequences of the choice unless we repent, unless we change. Has God told us he'd protect us? He has. Let me remind you of some things. Go to Psalm 121. Psalm 121, verse 1 says, I'll lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? Now, in a lot of translations, that's a question. He said he lifted up his eyes and he looked to the hills and he asked the question, where does my help come from? Then he answers it. Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer, and again, let's, let's make this personal. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. He that keeps me will not slumber. That's a good thought, isn't it? You know, it's not wrong to have a gun. It's not wrong to have a security system. It's not wrong to have a guard dog. If you want a good dog, you want a gun, fine. But you can have all that and perish. You can have an armor-plated Mercedes with two machine guns in the grill. You can wear a bulletproof vest. And somebody can shoot you in the head. Are you with me? I mean, you know, 
What I'm saying is there is no way you can cover all the bases. You don't know everything. You don't know the future. Some of the time you're asleep. Sometimes you sleep soundly. Somebody could come in and hit you in the head and you'd never even wake up. But you get to thinking and dwelling on what could happen. You get in fear. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But you, even though you, you have a, if you have a dog or you have a gun or 12 or you have all this stuff, you have a good security system, fine, that's all right. But don't have your faith in that, that you're relying on that to keep you safe. It cannot. There's always somebody that can figure out how to turn the security system off. There's always somebody that can figure out how to get in. Or, you know, get in when you're not looking or when you're not aware. Do those things, fine. Uh, you know, the psalmist said, some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we what? We trust and we rely on, we're depending on the Lord our God. He keeps us. Amen? And you really have to watch this now. You really do. Uh, because the more you get into something without realizing it, you know, the more money you pump into that security system and the more time you work on it, if you're not careful, you're depending on it. The more time you practice with your pistol <laughs> and the more guns you've got in every corner of the house, if you're not careful, you're depending on, well, hey, they mess with me, sure my 44. But they, uh, they may be in upon you before you can find your pistol. Well, I carry it on me all the time. Well, do you understand what I'm saying? You cannot cover all the bases. Make your preparation. That's fine. But in the final analysis, you better be trusting the Lord. And if you know he doesn't sleep and you know nobody can circumvent his security system, you can go ahead and sleep. Amen. Because he doesn't. His angels don't sleep. The Holy Ghost doesn't sleep. He doesn't, he doesn't sleep. This is supposed to comfort us if we believe that it will. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. He that keeps me will not slumber. Behold, he that keeps Israel and me shall neither slumber nor sleep. See, he, he repeats it. I want you to know you can sleep like a baby because he doesn't. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade on my right hand. The sun will not smite me by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve me from all evil. He shall preserve my soul. The Lord shall preserve my going out and my coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Can you say amen? Amen Amen means so be it. Let me read some scriptures to you in the New Testament. You'd have to turn to these, but just listen. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 in the New American. It says, the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. New Testament, 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. How many believe that? He will protect me from the evil one. New Testament. 1 Peter 1, 5 in the NIV. 1 Peter 1.5 says, through faith, we are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. NIV, shielded by God's power. Notice the, the first phrase, through faith. If we're in faith, we're shielded by God's power. 
I like that, don't you? Jesus prayed in John 17. And you know his prayers always get answered. John 17, 15. He said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. We're in the world. We're not of the world. There's evil in and around. But Jesus prayed that the Father would protect us from the evil that's in the world. Do you believe God heard that prayer? Do you believe he grants that request? Hallelujah. We could go on. There are so many scriptures that you could look at to comfort yourself, to encourage yourself. God has committed to keep me. He's committed to protect me, to watch out for me. But if that's so, and it is, why have accidents happened to Christian people? Why have uh, tragedies occurred in Christian homes? People that love God, that pray in tongues, that go to church and give. Why? Well, understand that the enemy is always trying to set snares. He is the adversary of your soul. He's not going to just sit back and let you take all the blessings of God and him do nothing about it. He is always trying to set a trap. He is going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's come to steal, to kill, to destroy. And not just somebody else, but you. Me. But he cannot just come destroy you at his whim or at his will. I know some years ago when I first started ministry, the enemy brought these thoughts to my mind. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take you out. You're not going to make it very far in the ministry. You're not going to live very long. I'm taking you out. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I mean, day after day. I wouldn't be. I'd be trying to do something else. Here come these thoughts. I'm going to kill you. After several days of that, thank God the Holy Ghost, he's our helper. He spoke inside me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but very definitely. He said, why don't you ask him why he hasn't already done it? Well, the Holy Ghost knows just what to say, doesn't he? He said, why don't you ask him why he hasn't already done it? And boy, that, that helped me. That, stir, that made me sassy. That stirred me up. I thought, I thought, Yeah. Yeah, bad boy. Why you you so tough? Why haven't you already killed me? You gonna kill me? Yeah, I'm gonna kill you. Why hadn't you already done it? Why? See, that's a good question to answer. Why? I you know you you just why why didn't you kill me in my mother's womb? Why didn't you kill me when I was two years old? Why didn't you kill me when I was five and ten, fifteen, eighteen? You, sh- you sure had plenty of opportunities. As dumb and fearless as I was, I mean, I, I did some crazy stuff. Why didn't you kill me? You had plenty, plenty of chances. Why didn't you take me out? And when I was 22, why? I guess maybe just because you, you kind of like me? Want to let me live a little while? Before you, no, no. You know why he had, he hadn't taken me out already? Why he hasn't taken you out already? Do you know why? He has tried. He has done his best and has not been able to. He tried. Oh, he's tried. How many of you know sometimes when he got pretty close? But you and I are sitting here alive and whole today because God has kept us. He's protected us. His angels have watched over us. 
Just like he said. And you know, more the mercy of God. Uh, you think about how he kept you when you were a sinner, didn't have a thought for God, doing your best to go to hell. And yet he knew you would come to him in time to come. He knew you would. And so he had somebody pray for you. Could have been somebody in a tongue you've never heard on another continent in tongues. Pray for you. Whatever it took. So that he'd have a right to keep you till you got to him. Oh, the mercy of God. He's kept us. He's kept our families. He's spared us. But there remains the reality that there have been numerous times in good Christians' lives and homes that tragedies have happened. Accidents, problems. We call them accidents, but you know, really, I think we ought to call them sit-ups. From our standpoint, it looks like an accident, but from his stand, from the devil's standpoint, it's a setup. I mentioned earlier this morning, you know, up on the lake where we go up and, and, and boat and, and play some. It's a big lake. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's over 50 miles long in the main channel. And it's, it's, it's huge and wide in a lot of places. Hundreds and hundreds of acres. And during an off season back when it was cooler, there were two boats out on this lake. Two. And out of all these hundreds and hundreds of acres, they run into each other out in the middle. <laughs> now, how many opportunities did they have to miss? I'm not out in the middle of the lake. That's a setup. You think about cars meeting at intersections. If one had been just a few seconds slower or faster, right? They had to be there at exactly the right time. It's a setup. And the enemy is all the time trying to set something up so that you or I are in the wrong place at the wrong time. I've been saying this for years. I'm going to keep on saying it. I, I confess it boldly. I am always in the right place at the right time. That's just a saying of mine. I say it all the time. And you know, uh, people that we have uh, done things together with, whether it's travel or business or recreation, we've seen it again and again. You look up and go, right place, right time. It just works out, you know, perfect. And people would say, man, you're lucky. No, don't believe in luck. Man, you're one of the, I've had people say to me, man, you're one of the luckiest guys I've ever seen. Wow, that's amazing luck. Well, the stars must have been right. Well, the, I know the one that made the stars. Amen. But you, you need to have your, your part in operation. It's not just all up to God. And I want to talk to you about how the main ways that the enemy has been able to gain access even to God's people and cause problems when God wanted to protect them. He, he had everything in place to protect them, but because of them failing to cooperate, he could not. We do not want ourselves in a situation where God's not able to keep us like he planned. We want to cooperate with him, not go crosswise or contrary to what he set up for us. Right? 
The devil's looking for access. He's always trying to set something up to cause us a problem. We need to keep, you know, doing things so that access is denied. We give him no place. The doors are closed. He keeps looking, but it's not open. Right? You remember Job, don't you, that the enemy wanted to get to him. And obviously had been wanting to get to him earnestly for a long time. And he made mention of this to, you know, uh, before the Lord that he said, you have put a hedge about him and about all that he has. He knew it well, didn't he? He couldn't get through it. He wanted to get to it. Well, we won't go into all the details as to why eventually he was able to get to him. But you know this, that Job said this very powerfully. The thing that I have feared has come on me. And as uh, the NIV says, the thing I've dreaded has happened to me. This is the first one I want to mention to you. This is one of the main ones. If, If you want to keep the door closed, you must not fear. Fear gives the enemy access. Fear causes what you dread to come on you. In Hebrews, the Bible talks about that, you know, Jesus destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Uh, and, and he delivered them who through all their lifetime, through fear, were subject to bondage. Fear makes you subject to bondage and to destruction. Fear will do against you what faith will do for you. Fear is a powerful thing. It's, uh, I mean, it's amazing the sway fear has. Fear is what causes stock markets to crash. Fear is what causes nations to rise and fall. People endeavor to control people through fear because that's the way of the enemy. And like we said, the devil cannot just waltz into your life and do what he wants to. If he could, he'd have killed you on the way to church this morning. You'd have never made it. Right? If he could just do what he wants to do, none of us would be here. This would be an empty church. But he has to have a legal right to do it. He has to get into your life some way so that he has a legal right to do some stuff. And here is one of the biggest areas where he works, and that is to getting you or I into fear over something. If he can get us into fearing it, what we're doing is we're exercising faith in his ability to do it to us. If we're afraid over something, then we're believing it is a perverted form of faith. We're believing that he can do it to us. I like what the scripture says in Job, the fifth chapter. Talking about the Lord, Job 5, 19 through 22 says, He will deliver you in six troubles. In seven, no evil will touch you. In famine, he'll redeem you from death. In war, from the power of the sword. How many believe no matter what happens around us in the world, God can feed us? Can he? No matter what kind of destruction is going around about us, God can keep us. Even in famine, he can feed us. We can be eating when nobody else is. Can we? We can. You'll be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. You shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. It may roll up outside your house, but you will not be what? Did you get that? See, we've heard this so many times, if you're not careful, it just kind of goes over. But when destruction, let's say four tanks roll up around your house and train their guns on you, what shall you be? 
Are you sure? Or will you pull the blinds and go, oh my God, my God. (laughs) Call the church. Tell them to pray. (laughs) See, this is, this is what makes you or breaks you. What if you'd been the Apostle Paul? You got shipwrecked. Looked like you were going to die, but you made it to the land. You're there, you're wet, it's cold, the people are strange. You build a fire and a snake, a poisonous snake, comes out the fire. And he don't bite Joe Barbarian on the other side of the fire. He bites you, the Apostle Paul. Now, you've read the story. You know how it turned out. But if you could try to push that aside a minute and put yourself in front of the fire, what would you have done? You know what a lot of people would have done? Besides die? (laughs) They would have went, oh my God. If you know when they finally got through screaming and the snake was away, they'd have said, I'm an apostle. This is not supposed to be happening to me. <laughs> right? I've been in jail. I've been shipwrecked. And now this? And while they were there wrestling and wrangling with questions, the venom would have been killing them. So you, you had not got four days to try to work this out. When these kind of things happen or to try to call the prayers. What did he do? Shook it off. Warmed himself in front of the fire. Y'all got something to eat around here? And I'm thinking about having a meeting tomorrow. Is anywhere we can meet? To shake it off implies that you're not overly concerned about it. He didn't jump up and run around the fire. He didn't scream and yell and beg and plead and ask a hundred questions. Why me, Lord? See, friend, when these kind of things happen, whether you let fear in or whether you stand up in faith determines the outcome. And God, He is there. Is the power of God able to uh, nullify the effects of this venom? Sure. That's a snap for God. It's easy. He doesn't even have to do any chemistry tests. He just knows what to do. He doesn't have to ask any questions. He, he can do it without an injection, without a scan. It is child's play to Him. But why hasn't He always been able to do it for people? They're, they're Christian people that have died from snake bites. Why didn't it work for them? Does God just want to let some people be destroyed? Is it just okay with him? He just lets it happen? He does not really want to save everybody? No. One of the big areas here is fear. Fear is a spiritual force. Fear opens the door to spiritual forces. When you get in fear and you speak words of fear and you act on fear, it gives the devil and demons a right, legal right in the earth to manifest and do things against you and yours. And even though Christians know 
some of these principles, still many, many, many people are harboring fears in, in the back of their mind, secret things that they don't talk about, that they perspire over at night, that they roll and toss about. Don't, don't buy into the lie that, you know, well, hey, none of us in here are struggling with any fears. <laughs> That's right, it's laughable. I have worked with Christians, bless their hearts, just bound, tormented with fear. We've, we had people come into healing school before, and they had suits on, and masks on, and, and caps on, and they believed that they were allergic to people, and the air, and I mean the list goes on, and what, what it is, it's fears. You begin to be afraid, afraid of cats, afraid of flowers, afraid of this, afraid of that. And the fear makes you subject to bondage. They did tests on people where uh, the influenza was concerned. And they didn't tell people, they, they put these different monitors on them for their heart rate and blood pressure and brain scans and all this stuff. And they'd have them go into a place where somebody had the flu and then they'd tell them about it. And then monitor their response. <laughs> and some of the people went in and, and when they realized it, and they, and, and they had maybe drank from a cup and somebody had the flu and all this, and they thought, why didn't you tell me, you know? And then they just begin to respond in fear. Literally, heart rate goes up, blood pressure goes up, immune system goes down, pores of the skin opened up. And literally drew it into them. Made them more, much more susceptible to it than the people that went in and said, oh, you know, that doesn't usually bother me. And they just kind of shrugged it off. All the responses stayed high. Does your faith affect your immune system? No question about it. Whether, whether the test people feel like are inconclusive or not, the word states it. It's always been that way. A strong spirit will sustain you even from bodily pain and trouble, Proverbs says. I like this passage I begin to read to you in, in, in Job 5. He said, you'll be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. You'll not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You'll laugh at destruction and famine. You'll not be afraid of the beasts of the earth. You'll laugh at it. Can you do that? Hmm? Well, see, if you're, if you're getting all sober and serious and you're thinking... Man, there was a lot of bad stuff happening around. We don't live by statistics. And whatever you feed is going to be strong in you. If you feed fear, it's going to get stronger. If you feed faith, it's going to get stronger. But you have to watch, you know, be, be cautious about what you watch, and uh, even news, documentaries, what you read, because you feed all this stuff into it. Well, you know, eight out of ten <laughs> will have this happen sometime in their life. We, you know, 30% will have this kind of accident. We, you know, it's, and, and, you know, our society today is very, very big on stats. But you know, you need to stop mass sometimes. Who does these polls? Who were they polling? They didn't poll everybody. 
They didn't ask me. Who did they poll? And besides that, we don't live on percentages. We don't live on statistics. But see, that all these things are designed from the enemy to get you in fear. Get you thinking, well, well, you know what happened to so-and-so just three or four houses down. And they're good people. I know they never thought it would. And you know, what you in, in so many words, you'll come back to the same old worn out stuff. Well, you just never know. <laughs> stuff happens and you just whew, have mercy. It, it, is, it is easy to slip into unbelief. It is easy to slip into fear. All you got to do is nothing. Just go with what's happening around you and just, you, you'll go right into it. But even if there were eight out of ten, it happened to them sometime in their life, two out of ten go all their life and it never happened to them. Never. Do you know that there are people, there are people that they are born and they live all their life and never have a terrible disease and are never mugged, they're never raped and they never, you know, are destroyed in some kind of a crash. They live their whole life. Somebody's got to do that. Somebody's got to be those two out of ten. Or whatever it is. I'm one of them. (laughs) You're the other one, right? (laughs) Stamp out the fear. You know, we could go into realms of things about how to do that, but it's some real basic things. For one, don't feed it. Right? It's silly to watch horror movies. Just feed fear. And even stuff that's supposed to be legitimate news or whatever, watch about it. What's it doing to you? What's it, when you watch it, are you better off or not? Are you, are you looking out your window twice as much? And are you are gripping the steering wheel harder, you know, when you drive? <laughs> don't feed your fears. And when things come and the enemy brings thoughts to you that this could happen to you, you need to respond to that in resistance. Resist it. Let's say you're a single young lady and you, you live in an apartment by yourself or something and the thought comes to you, you know, uh, boy, somebody's liable to rape you out here. Somebody's liable to break in your house. Somebody's liable. You do not need to sit there and fight with that in your mind. You need to stand up and say, it will never happen to me. Well, all these young ladies didn't mean for it to happen to them. Listen, even though a thousand it happens to on my left, or if it happened to ten thousand on my right, it won't happen to me. Hallelujah. Amen. This is scripture. Right? We didn't make this up. Fears. Don't give them any place to do so. I mean, you can get down and pray a good prayer. Now, you, now you ought to pray uh, for protection. You ought to confess protection over your life. But it, you can do a good job praying and confessing. But if you get up and, and you go on in fear through the day, your, your prayer did little good. You nullify the effects of your prayer. 
You can kneel down and say, oh God, protect me and keep me. And then if you get up and you're going to be in fear, you nullify the effects of your prayer. You have to walk in faith after you've prayed. I pray this regularly. You know, in, in what we call the Lord's Prayer. Uh, he, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He talks about give us this day our daily bread. Well, we need bread every day. It's all right to ask for provision every day. Uh, he goes on to talk about uh, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. So it is all right. Is it all right to ask for deliverance and protection? It is. And I do this regularly. Usually I'm not awake very good before I'm praying like this. And you don't have to kneel down and pray for an hour and a half. You can say a little prayer in 30 seconds. If you're getting faith about it, God has a right to do some things. You have not because you ask not. We need to ask for these things. And so I ask, Lord, ask you to direct my steps, my words, my thoughts today. Guide me uh, and keep me, protect me, help me. And then the Bible says that the angels are ministering spirits sent to minister for us who shall be heirs of salvation. I charge them. I say, go before me, ministering spirits. Clear the way. Prepare the way. And prosper my way. Before, behind, above, beneath, round about. Amen. Sometimes I quote, it's written uh, that you'll keep me and bear, bear me up in your hands lest I dash my foot against a stone. It doesn't take long to say that. But the key thing is after you've said it, What? Expect it to happen. And if the devil brings thoughts to your mind, well, yeah, but this might happen. You speak up. No, it won't. No. God protects me. He keeps me. Amen. And you exercise your authority if situations come up. I mean, if it's weather, Jesus spoke to the winds, didn't he? And the winds affect the weather. I know, you know, we've been uh, flying a lot to our meetings and our own plane, and uh, the Lord dealt with me even when we were flying commercial, that uh, I ought to pray ahead of time. Don't just wait till the day you're going to leave. Let's say you're traveling somewhere in the States here, and you're, it's, it's several days before you leave. Well, the weather that would affect your flight is out over the Pacific somewhere. Right? And uh, it, just a little tweak out there could cause it to be different by the time it got to you. And a lot of times people are, you know, uh, it's like some Ramah students one time, they were out in the parking lot, <clears throat> went around in the corner and didn't look, and bang, hit the other person. And uh, the the young lady was sitting in there holding her wheel, and I mean, they, they these guys hit. I mean, the cars bounced off each other, and she was in there praying, oh God, don't let it be bent. Oh God, don't let it be bent. <laughs> well, I think it's bent. How many know what I'm talking about? That's a little late. <laughs> and sometimes people, they're not in faith at all. I mean, that, that's not a faith prayer. Don't let it be bent. Don't let it be bent. You should, you'd be just as well off not even praying at all. Did you hear me now? So I said, what, don't you think God could straighten out a fender? I know he could. He could straighten out the fender and make it a new color. And, 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 and put you in the car in Hawaii. In a flash of an eye. I'm not confused about the ability of God. What's in question here is the faith of the prayer. Don't let it be bent. No, that's <laughs> wishful thinking. It's not prayer. It's not faith. But the praying 
you know, if you do things, ask for things ahead of time, then the Lord is working on things in between here and there. Things are being shaped towards your favor. And what we do about flying, you know, we speak to the winds. I say, winds, blow the, the bad weather, the inclement weather out of our path. For our trip and for our return in Jesus' name. And I, the Lord, Lord's my witness and Phyllis is my witness. There are times we'd be flying and I kid you not, it was a path. It was stuff over here and it was stuff over. But you could see a clear path all the way to your destination. What caused it to be that? The wind. The wind. But we spoke to it. And the Lord's helped me with that principle, you know. Uh, on every area. In fact, your, your pastors and, and Phyllis and I were having a meal and the Lord dealt with me about something I hadn't thought of before. We had just ordered food and he said, right now is the time to pray over your food. Before they select the steak. Before they prepare the vegetables or whatever. Now's the time. I thought, well, yeah. You know, because the difference between you getting sick and not getting sick could be somebody choosing this steak or that steak. But you have not because you asked not. So what we what we started to do immediately, we've done it since then, is as soon as the order, as soon as they walk away from the table with the order, we say, Lord, we thank you for abundant provision. Thank you that you said if we'd serve you, you'd bless our bread and water, take weakness and sickness out of our midst. We ask you to direct them in the selection and preparation of this food. We call it sanctified in Jesus' name. Amen. And do the same thing. If I know I'm going to buy a new car, uh, you know, if I, if I know I'm going to buy a particular model, I might pray about it months before I get it or a year or two. Why? Because uh, it, while it's being built, the Lord can help them with it. You go to buy something and they're going to go behind and take one off the shelf. Well, the difference between getting a good one and the one that you have to bring back five times is them picking this box or this box. Well, if you ask the Lord, then it gives him a right to sway them toward the right one. While they're going back to say, Lord, I just ask you to help them to pick the right one. And that saves you having to pray through on all of the exchanges and all of the trips back to the <laughs> dealership or, or whatever. Right? I understand if we were more led, we wouldn't have nearly as many problems. And that brings me to our next point in our responsibility of our protection. Number one, if you want the Lord to be able to protect you, you must not give place to fear. Everybody said out loud, no more fear. fear. I will not fear. fear. Don't be afraid of storms. Don't be afraid of car crashes or airplane crashes. Don't be afraid of diseases. And when fears begin to come to try to get on you, rise up and resist them and say, no, that will not happen to me. Sammy said out loud, if it's bothering you bad, said out loud, that will never happen to me. Said over your kids too. Yeah, your kids, I mean, they're acting crazy and who knows what's going to use. Stand up and sit out. No, my children will be safe. That will not happen to them. Because if you're yielding to fear, then you're exercising some faith in the devil's ability to do it to you. You're telling him, well, I, I believe you can do it. Yeah, you are bad. Who? You going to kill me? Man, don't, please. <laughs> or if you have faith at destruction and at famine, thou shalt laugh. When he says, I'm going to do this to you, you go, ha! 
No, you're not. Yet some people go, ooh, I wouldn't talk like that to the devil. Don't you know you make him mad? You really help him. Listen, he's not going to leave you alone because you lay low. You can't make a deal with him. So you might as well just get up in his face and be brassy about it. Laugh at destruction. Laugh at famine. Laugh in the face. Even if you don't feel like it. Even if your knees are knocking and the hair is standing back on, up on the back and go, ha ha. <laughs> I ain't afraid. <laughs> and the devil says, you are too, you lie. You say, no, I don't care how I feel. I don't have to yield to how I feel. I refuse to fear. I refuse to. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though I feel it, though I see it, I will fear no evil. I refuse to fear. His rod and his staff is with me. They comfort me. He's able to keep me. He's able to protect me. Can you say amen? Amen. Here's the second main thing. Can you give me just a few few more minutes here? I told you I didn't want to give you the abbreviated version. I want to give you... Right? And if, and if I just left you here, and, and a, lot, a lot of times folk have this, they just leave, leave people right here. And, and I may have done it before. If you do, you have not covered it. Because you can do everything I've told you and still have tragedies. And that's why a lot of people, a lot of Christians have had things and they're confused about it. Well, I, I confess this. I, I've done this. I, but you can still have problems if you don't do this. Number one. Fear opens the door. Number two, disobedience. Disobedience. This covers a large area, but I'm going to focus in on disobedience to the Lord's leadings. One of the main ways that the Lord answers our prayer for protection is through guiding us. Through leading us and directing us. If we don't heed that, It'll do us no good to claim protection and walk on in disrespect to the leading. You're going to have problems even though you're trying to claim protection. The first time I learned this, I saw this clearly was, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, I was out at Rama, and a lady got through on a prayer call and I happened to be there uh, available. So I took it. And she was distraught. She was upset, man. She was beside herself. She was just crying hysterically. It took me a while to get her calmed down. And, and what had happened was she lived in a large city. She had been mugged. Some yahoo had hit her upside the head and grabbed her purse and ran off with it. Well, she was older. She wasn't seriously injured. She had some bruises, but, uh, she lost her purse, lost what little money she had in it. And she, of course, that bothered her, but that wasn't the main, the, the bump on the head, the loss of the money wasn't the biggest thing that was bothering her. Wasn't the biggest reason why she called. She was upset because she couldn't figure out why God didn't protect her. She was a Christian. She said that she regularly read Psalm 91 and confessed protection over herself. 
And she just could not fathom why this had happened. And she was upset, man. She was questioning things. And she was pounding me with questions. And, and we're closely getting to the place where that I'm supposed to say something and I didn't have a clue. I was sitting there on the phone thinking, Lord, what, what I tell this lady? She feels like you let her down. And you know, from appearances, what happened here? You know, this is something that will help get you through any tough situation in life if you'll just always stay on God's side. Never do you get into an accusative mode. God, why? Why? I don't know. Why did you let this happen? See, you're accusing him of not being there for you. You're, you're implying he didn't do something he should have done or he let something happen that he should have prevented You're accusing him of forgetting about you, not being there for you, not being faithful. And friend, that is too much to say. He is faithful. Amen. 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 And he's never let you down. He's never let let anybody you know down. Never. And he's not going to start. But there will be times when you wonder about things and you won't understand because you don't see the whole picture. You don't know. But let me tell you what to get you through the toughest times in life is even through your tears, even through your questions. Don't don't question accusatively. You can ask a question, but just look up through your tears and say, Lord, I, I don't understand this. I don't know what happened here, but I know this. You're faithful. And I know you didn't fail me. You didn't let us down. I know it. Help me here. Show me what we need to see. That'll get you through. But you get hard-hearted and, and, and think, well, aren't you going to be aggravated with God? That's stupidity. Being mad at God. He's your help. Right? And you just know this. If he could have done differently, he would have. Never is it, is it his will for somebody to be destroyed. Somebody said, what do you mean if he could have? Like I told you, it's legalities. It's not a matter of his power. They're spiritual principles. Sometimes he, he just has to watch it happen. If he intervened, he'd violate his word. He'd violate spiritual laws and principles. He can't do that. He won't do that for you, for me, for anybody. No matter how much he loves us, he's not going to play favorites. He's not going to set aside spiritual laws and his word for us. I want you to go with me real quickly to Judges. Uh, two places. Judges 19 and Matthew 2. Now I can wrap this up real quick or I, I can take another 10 minutes. What you want me to do? You know, I, I don't want to wear anybody out, but you know, if this made a difference between somebody being protected and somebody not. I mean, after something had happened, somebody would have been glad if we would have stayed here all day and got it figured out, Right. How many believe God could keep this whole church safe? That everybody in this church and their families could just go month after month and year after year with no accidents? No tragedies? Could he do it? Does he want to? Well, what's the missing link? Our cooperation. Are you clear on the first one? What is it? Fear. Get it out. Don't feed it. If you've had some there, starve it. If things come up in you, resist them. 
and say it out loud boldly when it comes up. No, that will not happen to me. I don't care if it happens to a thousand on this side, ten thousand. No, it will not happen to me. No matter what anybody thinks about it, that's what will keep you. In, let's read this first in uh, Matthew. I think it will work better this way. Matthew 2. In Matthew 2, verse 13, talks about the uh, wise men that came from the east to Jerusalem and they worshipped the child Jesus. And uh, the Lord warned them in a dream that they shouldn't go back to Herod, so they went a different route back to their country. In verse 13, Matthew 2:13, when they were departed, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he said, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there till I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. Can we learn anything about the protection of God here? Was it important to the Father God that Jesus be protected? Well, then why didn't he just protect them there? I mean, he had angels, you know that. Why did he tell him, Herod's out to kill the child, get up and leave? And he responded immediately. I mean, they went out that night. How many of you got to believe you've heard from God? To just pack up your family, lock, stock, and barrel, and duck out within a few hours and be gone. Right? Well, couldn't God have kept them there? I mean, couldn't they have just stayed at home? And What if Joseph had said, well, I, you know, he had the 91st Psalm. What if he had just said, well, look, you know, I believe in God's protection. Besides that, we got a, we got a miracle here with Jesus. I know God's going to keep him. What if he had just stayed? Would it, would it have affected the protection? Now, this is the thing you got to get. Because this woman that I was talking to on the phone, you remember her? Crying her eyes out. When she finally quit talking, the Lord prompted me to ask her this question. I said, well, sister, I said, did you have anything in your heart at all about whether you ought to go to this place or not? She said, she got quiet. And she said, yeah. She said, that morning, I, I felt like maybe I shouldn't go. I said, strong? She said, yeah. She said, but I believe in protection. So I just claimed the 31st Psalm and I went on. And she got mugged. Friends, you cannot, we must not separate exercising faith from being led by the Spirit. To do so is to open yourself to, to problems. If the Lord is with you, don't go. And you say, yeah, but I believe in protection to go on. He cannot just keep you anyway. He was answering the prayer in giving us direction. He was protecting you in giving you the guidance. This is how he protected Jesus. Should we require something more spectacular? Whether it came in a dream or just in a witness or ever how the Lord led us, if he leads us to do a certain thing, that's our key to protection. Yes, pray. 
Yes, claim protection. Yes, confess it. Yes, denounce and resist fear. But that's not all. In answer to your faith, in answer to your prayer, when the Lord leads you, obey. If he says, get out of town, what do you do? Well, bless God, I'm not afraid of any man. I'm going to stay right here. God, can, God's able to keep me. Yes, he's able to keep you, but you've got to obey him. And if you're in disobedience now, your faith's not going to work. You're not obeying. You're not complying. You've, you're violating some spiritual laws. You can get to the place where God could and your angels could have to stand by and watch why something happened that shouldn't happen to you. Not only that, if he says go here and you don't, then you're here when you're supposed to be here. And you wind up being at the wrong place at the wrong time. Friends, I, I trust you're hearing what I'm saying this morning. This is, I believe in protection strong, but man, I, I take seriously my responsibility to be led. Whether we're driving in a car, whether we're flying in an airplane, whether we're staying in a town an extra day, or whether we're going home early, I always endeavor to follow my heart. And if I get something in my heart about waiting an hour or two or half a day or going now, I follow that. I don't have to understand why. I know Phyllis and I were all geared up to go uh, on a drive some years ago. Bags were packed. Everything was ready. I got off work. I came home. We know we, we, our time is an issue, so we're going to jump in the car and take off. Well, walking in the door, I got a little something that just, I, you know, nothing big, but I'm not satisfied with this trip some, for some reason. I don't know why. When you get that, what do you do? Wait. Can you remember that word right there? Wait. Don't move. Wait. Stop. Look. Check. So I said, you know, let, let's wait just a minute. Let's sit down in the chair. Well, your flesh is saying, hey, daylight's burning. we got to go. Tell your flesh to hush. Sit down. Further out, we just sat there and talked a little bit, but it, something was bothering me. Well, let's get on the floor here and pray. So we got off the chair and prayed. Well, then the more I prayed... Something's bothering me about this trip. I just couldn't put my finger on it. So uh, I said, well, let's just not go. Somebody said, what happened? Nothing. And that can be very good. <laughs> As it turned out, uh, there were some things that happened there at home that we did need to be there for. But I also I sensed that there was something else. You know, the enemy had a trap somewhere. Uh, a minister told this situation about how that he and his wife traveling, they're itinerant ministers, they're traveling from one place to the next, uh, getting out of the hotel, loaded their bags in the car. He's standing up against the fender of the car and he said, the Lord spoke to him, stay right here 15 minutes. And he uh, he just kind of pushed that aside and thought, huh? We're ready to stay here 15 minutes? So he said, we believe in protection. So he pled the blood over him and, and his wife in the car and claimed 91st Psalm protection. And they took off and ran into the middle of this pileup of cars and, and was hit with an oncoming car, killed a person in the other car, almost killed his wife, destroyed the car. And for years struggled about how, why that happened and didn't realize the connection until he heard teaching on it. And he realized if he had just waited 15 minutes, 
Then by the time, if they got, got there 15 minutes later, a patrol car was out and marking the wreck. He wouldn't have plowed into it. So why didn't the Lord tell him that there's a pile up ahead? That's not the way he works. We have to operate by faith. If he says, wait, you just need to believe he's got a good reason why he said, wait and trust him. Sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes it's go now. Because you loiter around. How many understand if your timing is off significantly, you're at a different place at a different time than you would have been. Look in Judges 19. I know I'm keeping you a little bit, but, but can you take it? I don't plan to keep you much longer. Judges 19, are you there? This story portrays so clearly the principle we're talking about. Judges 19, I won't read the whole thing, but a Levite who was a man of God in the helps ministry, we might say, had a wife and uh, she left him for some reasons. And she decided to, he decided to go and pursue her and see if he could win her back. He went to her father's house where she had returned, spoke to her, and she was ready to, to return with him. But verse 4 says his father-in-law, the damsel's father, retained him. In other words, he was ready to go, but his father-in-law said, no, you know, just hang around here with me. And that happened for three days. And he stayed with him and ate and drank. Verse 5 came to pass on the fourth day. They got up early in the morning. They, they got their bags packed. He's, he's already been meaning to go for three days. And, and he said, come on, let's go. And his father-in-law said, well, look, you know, he had not had breakfast. E- eat some bread and then you can go. So they sat down and they ate and they drank. And the damsel's father said, look, you know, it's already getting late. Just spend the night. So they did. And the man got up to depart and he said, no, you know, stay here again. And he arose early in the morning on the fifth day. Everybody say fifth day. See, he would have left five days ago. And he he said, his his father-in-law again this morning said, you know, you haven't had a good breakfast. Stay here. So they tarried till afternoon. Well, it's lunchtime. Don't don't leave without lunch. (laughs) Well, look, it's getting late. You don't want to start this late in the day, so... And the man rose up and he said, look, the day's drawing toward evening. Just stay all night. And then you get up early and then you can go. Verse 10, but the man would not stay that night and he rose up and departed. And he, he left late so he, he wasn't at the place where he wanted to be when it fell night. And without reading the rest of the story, maybe you've read it before, he, he was in a place where the men of the city came and, and demanded that he be brought out so that they could molest him. And they wound up molesting and killing his wife. He was five plus days late. He was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Even though he's a Levite. He's a man of God. Do you see this? And, so, and, and it was his father-in-law that detained him. So even if it's people round about us, if we've got something in our heart, we need to do this. We don't need to do Don't let somebody cause you to override or ignore the leadings of the Lord in your life. We, we endeavor to live like this. I mean, there are numerous times that I'll say to Phil, you know, let, let's hurry up and get around and, and get gone. 
And you might think, well, why? There's the, what's the rush? There's no reason. I just have something in me. I just a sense. And again and again, you, when you do that, you're at the right place at the right time. You missed this. You missed that. You were there before this happened. Uh, you, you got there after it was all done. No, no danger, no problems. But you didn't know it in your head. But the Holy Ghost trying to lead us and guide us, answer our prayers, protect us and keep us. But we've got to follow the protection. Got to follow the guidance, I should say, to have the full protection. Thinking about Dr. John Lake. And he, he told the story about how he was driving on a mountain road. And uh, just in his spirit, the, the Spirit of God prompted him, pull over in the left lane and stop. Well, this is a mountain road, curves. And this is the wrong lane. You can't see around the curve. He thought, well, that's, you don't want to do that. But it came up again, pull over in the left lane and stop. He's battling with that in his mind. Well, you don't want to pull over in the wrong lane in a curve on a mountain road. But it came up in him real strong. Pull over in the left lane. Stop. And he just did it without thinking. Because he's so used to yielding to the Spirit of God. Did you get that? We need to train ourselves to yield so that we'll do it without trying to figure it out. Well, he's sitting there now thinking, man, I'm on the wrong side of the road. And he's sitting stopped in this wrong lane, in this mountain curve. And about that time, this truck comes screaming around the curve. He had burned his brakes out. He's out of control, running big, huge, loaded truck. And because he was going so fast in that curve, he wasn't in his lane. He had moved out into the lane that Dr. Lake would have been in. And come ripping past, didn't even touch him. But if Dr. Lake had been in the right lane, the truck would have hit him, pushed him off the side of the mountain. After the truck's passed, he's sitting there kind of trembling and Pulls back over in the right lane and goes down the road. Right place at the right time. Why? Why? Because the Lord led him. Why didn't the Lord just pick the car up and put it there? How come Paul got snake bit? How come they had a shipwreck? I mean, that's another good example. Why were they even in a, a, a typhoon? Why didn't Paul just stand up on the deck and speak to the wind and command it to be still? Because in this case, the Lord had already warned them, don't go. Remember that? He said, I perceive that this voyage is going to be with much hurt and damage, loss of life and the lading of the ship. But the owner of the ship and the pilot, they didn't listen to Paul. He's just a preacher. He don't know anything about sailing. And when they left, the wind blew softly. Nice weather. They thought, see there, dumb preacher. But they hadn't gone long until they got in the worst storm they'd ever been in. How many know that God knows? He knows. But you see, he was, I mean, he had to, man, he prayed his heart out in the belly of that ship. And an angel appeared. And just by the mercy of God, that he and their lives were spared. They did lose the ship. The storm wasn't prevented. They did lose all their cargo. Why? Because they didn't listen. And sometimes, this is, this is a positive thought, even if you didn't listen, sometimes out of the mercy of God, if you'll cry out anyway, even though some things are lost, you can, you can be spared. But how much better to listen and to obey and to miss the whole problem? How many believe God is your protector? He's your keeper. He can guard you. He can guide you. How many believe you can hear from Him? You know you can. Don't ever say you can't. That's contrary to the word. You're his sheep. You know his voice. Stand up and confess it. Stand up and say it. I'm his sheep. I know his voice. He leads me. 
He guides me. He orders my steps. He directs me. I follow Him. He protects me. He keeps me. No evil shall befall me. No harm come near me. Or mine. Though it happens to a thousand on my left. Or ten thousand on my right. It shall not. Happen to me. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. Shall not. Shall not. Shall not happen to me. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord, for protecting us, for keeping us. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I mean, I'm thinking of all kind of stories right now as to, you know, how, you know, we, we were able to follow and, and, and miss this and that. And all of you could relate things. But do you understand that it is just important to be led as it is to make confessions and pray? Just as important. Just as that woman that was crying to me, she said, you know, the Lord, uh, he, I didn't realize it, but now that you bring that up, I had a real check about going down there and I just overrode it and went on anyway. Well, that's why some people are not with us now. Right? I understand you better off, even if you weren't sure, just playing it safe. Right? While you're learning to be led, if you say, well, I'm not sure if that was it. Well, go the long way around. Check it out. Right? And you'll learn as you go. But what you don't do is ignore these promptings and leadings and checks and, and just try to make a confession and go on anyway. That's not what you do. Let me pray over you. Father, we thank you for this church. Thank you for helping us. And I know that we're not just here by accident. You didn't just give us this uh, randomly. But that we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. And that we can be prepared and you can lead this whole church in such a way that they are kept. They are protected. And even though the enemy prepares a snare, they won't go that way. Or they'll go around it. Or they'll go earlier or later because you'll lead them. You'll guide them. Lord, we're depending on you. We're relying on you. We're counting on you to show us what to do so that we miss every snare, every trap, every accident or setup of the enemy. These things shall not happen to us. Get glory to yourself in this church so that others see how we're kept and how we're protected month after month, year after year, us and all that pertain to us and our stuff so that it is a good witness and people eventually just have to wonder and admit it's different. How does it happen that you are always kept those, those things happen around about you? And we can testify of you that you are our refuge. You are our safe dwelling place. Hallelujah. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. I decree this is a safe church. We have no fear. And we are led daily by the Holy Spirit no matter how many snares and traps the enemy lays we don't fall into them we go around them we go over them we miss them because we're kept we're protected he sets things up so carefully and we're just not there 
It frustrates him. But that's okay. We're kept. We're protected. We're safe. Amen. And it's going to go on like that month after month after year after year, decade after decade. Don't, don't be waiting on that big wreck. You could go all your life and never have it. Right? Sometimes people think, man, it's been so long since anything bad happened to me. Kind of have to pinch myself. No, no. Expect it to keep being that way. Why does it have to change? Hallelujah. Said out loud, we're a safe church. We're a protected church. We're a kept church. No accidents. No tragedies. No violence. Done to us. Or to ours. Our stuff is protected. Our things are kept. God is my refuge and my strength. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.